you haven't been listening to the saunters that I've been doing in the morning, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. We've just finished. They're all on my podcast. Easy to get to. Just If you have a podcast app, just put in Sauntering with Paul White. There's nobody else with such a random name as that, random name for their podcast as that. Um, but the book of Hebrews is literally a monumental book. It's, hu- it's huge in its scope and its kind of depth. And it's really difficult to kind of just do it justice in half an hour every morning, um, a chapter at a time. But it's worth a try. And it's, it's full of treasure. But I just wanted to, I realized that as we came to chapter 11, that there are a lot of people who are with us now who may not have had much teaching at all on what faith actually is. And we have these words that just become part of our language. And also, if you noticed how the secular world is adopting Christian language, but applying it for an entirely to an entirely different thing. So people who have become, uh, what should we say, convinced about climate change may be described as becoming evangelical about it because they're trying to tell other people who are vegans, classic, evangelical vegans. They are, you, how do you know if someone's a vegan? They'll tell you within one minute of talking to them. <laughs> it's like CrossFit, the same thing, isn't it? It's like CrossFit or vegan and probably a couple of others, but they're probably more evangelical than Christians are, to be fair. And um, so these words get utilized by, the, uh, just be, they become part of our normal conversation. And the word faith is one of those, isn't it? And yet it's so absolutely massive. And we talk about the Christian faith, and then we talk about other faiths as if that's the same thing completely isn't there isn't there isn't any comparison between the christian faith and another faith the christian faith is the relationship that god invites us to with himself through the death and resurrection of his own son jesus that is unlike anything else there is going so i'm going to uh if we if you can find hebrews chapter 11 in your bible That'd be a good place to start. I'm going to try and just make some simple points that can hopefully be instructive for us in how we live a life of faith. Because faith is, it we'll see in here, it's, it's absolutely essential in terms of our relationship with God. So let's just read uh, the first few verses of chapter 11. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, The conviction of things not seen. Now, if you have a King James version of the Bible, the words will be swapped and it will say, now faith, it will not swap, there'll be different words there. The faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I actually think that's a nice, clear way of putting it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of of things not seen. Verse 2, for by it the people of old received their commendation. And by the people of old, he means the people that we've been talking about previously in the book of Hebrews. And some of those are the big heroes of faith, but then he's going to go on and tell us about some of them in particular. 
So they received their commendation. By faith, verse 3, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, he died. Sorry, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I'm going to stop there, otherwise we'll get drawn into the whole chapter, which is amazing, but we haven't got time. So um, let's just have a little look back at that, those simple things. Number one, faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's a substance of something we're hoping for. It isn't, it isn't so ethereal and wafty and kind of general. It's very specific and it is a kind of evidence. Now, we are, we, we're living in a society that talks a lot about the science doesn't lie. Look at the evidence. We have evidence-based practice in healthcare and all this kind of thing. It's become the, the kind of the mantra, hasn't it, for modern-day healthcare and medicine, all those things, is evidence-based. So rather than it being based on a good idea or a superstition or an old wives' tale, it's based on evidence. And so we like that because that sound, it's sound scientifically. But what the writer to Hebrews is saying is there is another kind of evidence and it's the evidence of things not seen. It's a substance of things hoped for. So this is substantial, isn't it? It has a substance. Well, faith also has a substance. So I'm going to have a little crack at some definitions here. So faith is an entirely other dimension where our hearts enter into partnership with God's word. It doesn't just come. It's not related to anything else. Faith, the Apostle Paul says, comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So faith itself is a product of God having spoken. And then it's something that happens in our hearts in response to that. So we hear God speak through reading the Bible or through a preacher or a teacher or through the Holy Spirit speaking into our hearts about something specific, and our hearts respond with yes. So Mary said, when the angel came to her, she said, how's this going to be since I'm a virgin? He says, the Holy Spirit will come over you. You'll conceive, and what's conceived in your womb will be the Holy One of God, and so on. And so Mary says... Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, or as you have said. So what she's saying, she's saying, I don't understand this. This is beyond my comprehension, and yet something 
her heart responded with a yes when she heard God speaking. So she heard this incredible, like life-changing piece of information from the angel. And instead of being like, I'm going to run a thousand miles in the opposite direction, her heart just opened up and said yes. And so she makes this incredible statement. She, so she asks a little bit of practical help, what's going to happen? Angel tells her, and then she says, let it be according, let it be to me as you have said. Isn't that amazing? So that is a response of faith. And interestingly as well, that then what happens is inside her, something physical changes. And something physical starts to come about. So up until the point of the angels speaking, this is unseen. This is a non-physical realm. Mary is the physical person in the equation. She's the human being interfacing with the word of God, if you like. God speaks. Her heart is already open to God. And she's already kind of determined to please him and live for him because she was that kind of girl. And then God speaks and she says yes. And then the change happens, doesn't it? Yeah? But the presence of the Holy Spirit is important. So when, because some of the things God says to us, he will say to us, not specifically through the written word of the Bible, or not necessarily through a third, person, a third party preaching to us or telling us God is saying this, or even a prophet coming. But sometimes it's in the secret place of our own heart and our own relationship with God, the Holy Spirit kind of draws near to us, and we have this kind of moment where we just know God is speaking to us. Now, we've got two options then. And the writer to Hebrews tells us all about that earlier on in the book. He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Then what's the opposite of hardening our hearts is keeping it soft or softening it, per intentionally keeping our heart open, keeping it soft towards God, isn't it? Right, so here we go. So, um, so what else? It is... It is the realm of transition where the invisible becomes visible. If you think about it, it's, it's like this kind of dimension where God has spoken, our hearts have said yes, and then something changes in the physical realm as a result of that. And the evidence no longer is just of faith Although it may be over a long period of time, it may be that God speaks to us and then there's a long period when nothing much seems to happen. But there's a, there's a deposit of faith in our hearts and it's like we've got the evidence of it inside and we can believe that this is going to happen because God has said it. But there's that kind of outworking of it and I think Ryan's testimony is a great example of that. 13 years of outworking seems a long time, doesn't it? Especially when you're kind of the person waiting. Um, so it is the realm of transition where the invisible becomes visible. 
It is the environment of transformation, the space where miracles happen and the ordinary becomes extraordinary. And I think that for you and I as believers, even that term is laced with the word faith, isn't it? Because it comes from the same word. But even us as believers, for our, our lives can become kind of quite ordinary. And it's like we've somehow lost something of that dynamic living by faith thing. And so the challenge for us today is to once again engage with God and say, God, let it be to me, as you have said, let me, let my heart be so open so that when you're speaking to me, I'm saying yes already, I'm already there with my response, right? So um, if we just read on through a little bit here, a bit more, we see that verse 2, it says, for by it, that's by faith, the people of old received their commendation. The people in the Old Testament got their big well done from God, not because they did everything absolutely correctly, but because they responded to him by faith. And if we read through the book of the chapters of the Old Testament, we read of some incredible um, mixed <laughs> mixed up kind of people. Some of them, the people who are men, men and women of faith are actually not very perfect at all, but they're actually quite messed up in some respects. And yet they're kind of on this journey towards walking with, you know, daily walking with God. And they're commended by their faith. So even Abraham, we look at Abraham, he's called the father of faith, the father of those who believe. And yet he made some significant errors of judgment, didn't he, on occasions? Doesn't make that okay. It just means that what God was commending him for was his faith. Verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You kind of think, hold on. Now we're really messing with our heads because we're saying, by faith we understand. But actually, faith helps us to comprehend these big cosmic questions that defy the brain. Because actually, we want to say, well, how did it all happen? And that's our first question, isn't it? The question is, it, it hap the, the answer is, we understand it, that God made it happen. The actual process of that, we've, we've got, we could talk about until the cows come home. But the point is that the, the big question is settled. And we come to a place of rest in our hearts where we just think, do you know what? I trust, and, and there are many, many scientists around the world today who have reached that same point of coming to faith in their hearts that God actually did it. And so they would argue the toss about the detail of that and how long a time frame it was, et cetera, et cetera. But they would agree on this fundamental question, and that is that God did it and that God made something visible out of things that are not visible. He made what is seen out of things that 
was not made out of things that are visible. So he didn't take the ingredients all around and pick them up and make something. He made something by speaking it into being. And at that point of God speaking, the miracle of the universe came into being. And so, but it's faith that settles that question in our hearts. And we can, we can argue the toss over that one forevermore. But the day we settle it and just say, do you know what? I believe God did it. It's a, we sort of come into this, oh, this place of kind of rest inside. And we, we can, so faith helps us to settle these massive questions. And verse 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so we understand that somehow faith is pleasing to God because what we're doing is we're acknowledging him for who he really is. Because actually, if we really could see God as he really is with his incredible, like Ryan was saying, his incredible compassion, his incredible love, but his incredible power and sovereign nature, we would kind of think, well, anything God says, has to, the answer has to be yes, doesn't it, really? And so, what, when, so faith comes from hearing the, word of, hearing the word of God, but it also comes from recognizing who God is and his incredible love, his incredible compassion, and his vastness and his sovereign nature. So... Where do we get into trouble? The, the, the issue, I think, for us is that we live in a, in a kind of really mixed-up age where there's a lot of thinking that doesn't help us. So if you think about the opposite of faith, it would be unbelief. Yeah? So the opposite of faith would be unbelief. But along with that, <coughs> we have certain things that are kind of very British, like skepticism. And we talk about a healthy skepticism, don't we? And <coughs> the idea behind skepticism is that we're going to look for the proof and we're going to try and back it up. And so the idea behind um, evidence-based science and medicine and practice and so on is that we look for the proof, don't we? And so we're going to backtrack and we're going to test the experiments, do them again, see if the same things work in the same conditions and so on, if we can get the same results. And skepticism can be really healthy. And, and we sort of kind of like need that when we open our phone and we see a text from someone purporting to be our bank or some other incredible offer that's too good to be true is worth having a little bit of skepticism, isn't it? And when we read things on Twitter and social media and stuff like that, we could do with a little bit of skepticism so that we actually make a bit of effort to chase it to ground a bit. That's not necessarily... I'm not, I think that's actually a good thing. So it's good to be questioning asking the questions. And even the people in Berea, when the Apostle Paul was preaching there in the book of Acts, they checked out what the Apostle Paul was saying because it was a new teaching to them. They checked it out with the Scriptures daily. So they went back to the Scriptures and they looked at it because it was pretty radical, the kind of stuff he was saying. So 
there's something about having that like healthy questioning, getting to the bottom of it. Even if somebody says, I'm healed in a meeting, it's actually really good to be able to say, oh, tell me about it. Do you, you know, what was the, what was actually what happened? Because I'd love to be able to get excited about that. Because sometimes we only hear the little headline of the story and we miss the actual, and sometimes just to get to, and have that kind of confidence that our testimonies are real and not made up is really helpful. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing to kind of cultivate. But there's a, doesn't take far, doesn't take long rather, before we can drift into something called cynicism. And actually, if you think about cynicism, is pretty much the basis of adversarial politics where you have the um, the government and the opposition. Basically, the opposition's job is to say, what a load of rubbish, I do, you know, your motives are all shot, that's not going to work, and just literally pull down everything that the other one's trying to put up as their solution to the situation. And then after four years or however long it is, we swap them out for another one and see if they do any better. And then a different group's job is to tear down them. Um, but cynicism is also the kind of real undercurrent of British humour, isn't it? If you think of some comedians who you find really funny, you'll probably find there's a bit of cynicism going on in there. Who's the guy? Oh, I can't think of his name at the minute. A really funny guy, and but it is quite hard, isn't it? And it's quite kind of you know, sort of mocking. And and there is something I think cynicism also is more intellectually fashionable than being trusting and open hearted. So, how do we keep our hearts open to God? How do we develop? a relationship with God, living by faith, we get in the habit of starting to say, yes, Lord. So when we read the Bible, when we read the promises of God, we say, yes, Lord, let that count for me. So the first moment, how do we get saved? How do we even get saved? First time round, we hear the word of God, we hear the invitation, and we say, yes, Lord, let that count for me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe it's possible that all my sins can be forgiven because of your sacrifice on the cross. And I'm going to say, yes, Lord, let that count for me. So that's the first step. And then it remains how we walk with God from then on. And I believe that for some of us, God wants to up the ante a bit and start to get us to step out in faith a bit more and to start to trust him at his word a bit more. And so he's going to be giving us some opportunities. Um, one of the big areas, I think, in which many of us will grow in the journey of faith is starting to trust God with our stuff and starting to trust him with um, generosity. So what happens if I, you know, we, we feel like this kind of oh, stirring in our hearts to give to a particular situation or give to a particular person or respond to a particular need. And we kind of think, oh, do you know what? Maybe not. 
and it's keeping our hearts open in all of those little things will help us to keep our hearts open to God. God, God wants to, when we, the last two Sundays we've been talking about spiritual gifts, haven't we? And the Holy Spirit moving in the church. So I did before and then Josh came and spoke again, very biblical, lots of scriptures to look at and think about. But essentially, when we get into the realm of the supernatural and the spiritual gifts, we have to start taking a risk, don't we? So if we come to this environment to worship God, and then in the middle of the worship, God begins to stir our hearts and begin to speak to us, and we begin to, oh, gosh, I feel like I've got a word for somebody We've got two options, haven't we? One is to step out, which is faith, isn't it? It's acting on our faith. It's like, I believe I've got a word for somebody. Well, in that case, if I really believe it, I need to step out and start doing it, don't I? Otherwise, I'm either being disobedient to God or... It was. I'm telling myself it wasn't him in the first place. So I'm kind of suppressing that little voice of God that's beginning to, I'm developing a relationship with. Can I just have a little show of hands? Does anyone like to admit that they've got like an inner relationship with God where it, where we kind of navigate and we feel like God's speaking to us and that's how we kind of make certain decisions. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's really important if we're going to develop that, that we f- exercise the muscle. You're all looking at me like you don't know me for some reason. <laughs> If we're going to get good at something, we have to practice it. We have to develop it, don't we? What happens if God's dancing hand, like we were talking about two weeks ago, lands on you in this context? What's the worst thing that could happen if you venture forth with your little attempt at a word for somebody or a word of knowledge or something like that? What's the worst thing that could happen? You get it wrong. How would we know we've got it wrong? Nobody responds. They leave us hanging out to dry <laughs> like a wet kipper. That's horrible, isn't it? We hate that. Has that ever happened to me? Loads and loads and loads of times. Right. <laughs> wow. Wow, isn't that amazing? That's such a beautiful story, Fran. And so literally they were kind of thinking, oh, I missed it, probably, unless they were very robust and <coughs> durable Christians. I was talking to somebody this week I've never met before. He's from India. And um, 
him and his wife, and they were telling us about somebody they'd met, and I still don't know where these people were from, someone in England they'd met on this trip. They'd been in this church, and somebody had prophesied over them, or at least spoken from the front or something. This word had come to them in this context. That's all I could work out. And the word was that the thief had been caught. I was thinking, well, I don't remember giving that message particularly. Um, And that what had been stolen from them was coming back. And so I was thinking, well, it sounds like a good word, and that's brave. Well done, everyone who gave it. Well, then, then they went home that day, excuse me, and I think it was the next day they heard that um, a rich auntie had died in Switzerland. Why don't I have any rich aunties in Switzerland? <laughs> Do I want to know? Anyway, this rich auntie had died in Switzerland and left them this house. And they were, they were able to sell it and settle all their kind of financial affairs. And they were giving themselves to ministry and stuff like that as a result of this word. That's pretty cool. But I, I don't know if they ever... See, it's funny that that's the first I've heard of it. And I'm even thinking, was it this church? In a way, it doesn't matter which church it was. The point was that... Certainly, if it was this church, that we never got to hear the story, the good bit. So whoever gave that word probably went away thinking, I wonder if that ever came true or if that ever was fulfilled. In which case, they, yeah, did I miss it? Did I get it completely wrong? I've prayed for people to be healed. And every time you pray for somebody to be healed, you think, this is really, really stupid. I'm not a doctor, and even if I was praying for them, wouldn't doesn't have any medical, you know, kind of, it's not evidence-based, is it? Well, maybe it is. Um, But it's not in the journals, is it? It's not in the kind of BMJ or whatever. And so um, every time you go to pray for somebody who's sick, the risk of failure is very, very high, it seems. And we're always aware of our own inadequacies and our own shortcomings and and everything, but actually to take that step to say, I will pray for you, is faith. And what is it coming from? It's coming from this promise, the this written word of God that tells us that the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. And the other scriptures like that, God's name is Jehovah Rapha, which means God who heals. So we take those scriptures and they build up in our hearts with faith as our heart says yes to God. But then sooner or later, if I believe that, I have to start doing it, don't I? Otherwise, what happens is the faith gradually dissipates and stops being faith, and it just becomes a bit more cynicism. And so I've been to pray for people. I've told you some of the stories. I've literally thought, man, this is utterly crazy. There's no other job where someone would ask you to do this. It's really, at most jobs, when you're asked to do the job, you're at least qualified partially to do it, aren't you? Even if you feel it's above your pay grade, you've got some qualifications. And then you you sit in the car and think, oh God, 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 what are we doing? But it's actually by faith. And And we look then and we see actually, 
without faith is impossible to please God. So it turns out that actually God wants to see me growing in a life of faith. He wants to see me taking the steps, baby steps, tentative, terrified steps at times. And there have been so many times I've been in meetings where literally people I don't know at all, and I'm giving them words, and and, and they start laughing, and I'm thinking, why are you laughing? Is it because I'm such a... You know, such a complete talk. Or, and then you realize that it's absolutely, completely bang on. And you, you, you kind of think, wow, God, this is amazing. And it's about him, isn't it? I was on a Zoom call with some prophetic people the other day. And there was one you know, Sarah, John, Julian Adams. And uh, they were prophesying. And this, this young lad, who's probably only about 21 or something like that, starts prophesying over me. And I'm thinking, man, how could you know that? You can just see a little shape of me on the screen and he's prophesying stuff that's actually current and happening. But he had to take a step of faith, didn't he? And to go back to the, the three weeks ago, we were talking about this church being a charismatic church. It's be, it does not to try, we're not trying to live up to that, but it's just that it's really, really important that Really, I believe that God wants his whole church to be charismatic, not just little pockets of it here and there. He wants his whole church to be rich in people who are pursuing the gifts of the Spirit, but also who are living by faith day by day and not just having these odd occasions where, whoa, that was a step of faith. Woo-hoo, good for me. But it actually, like every day and daily, we say, God, will you grow me in faith. The thing is, if we pray those prayers, he will put us in situations where faith is going to be the only thing that will make it work. It's like if we ask God for patience, guess what happens? He puts us in situations where we need patience. So I'm going to invite you to stand and just invite the Holy Spirit And what I'd love for you to do and me to do again today is to just do that little transaction that Mary said. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. Can we say that? So in your own words, it doesn't matter. So I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me. As you have said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me, as you have said. Lord, I offer you my heart today to be open to you and to hear your voice well and to respond with faith again and again and again, Lord, not just once, not just so I can get, yeah, I did it once. I remember it well, but that it becomes a hallmark of my life. 